episode 66 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm your other host, Willa Rowe. I like to do it sometimes just to switch yeah. it up. I'm always, well, I'm always wondering now, is she going to do it <laughs> and is she not? And when you don't do it, it feels like you're kind of making fun of me. And when you do it, it feels like you're kind of making fun of me. When I do it, I'm making fun of you. <laughs> just so we can keep it clear. When I do say, <laughs> and I'm your other host, that's when I'm making fun of you. Okay. Yeah. When you don't say it, you just weren't thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. So you're in the mood to make fun of me today, is what we're starting That's that, the energy that's, we're starting with. That's the energy we're bringing into this. <sighs> I, I, I work so hard. Um, <laughs> speaking of suffering, uh, we do have some bad news to get to before we start talking uh about video games normally we get sad talking about video games this week we're getting sad and then talking about video games i found this out like literally 30 minutes ago Mm. i'm so heartbroken i found this as i yeah i found this news out last night and immediately went to text you but i was like i don't want to ruin her night I don't yeah. know. What kind of, I don't know how she's feeling right now. I can't spring this on her. Yeah. So for those of you who have heard us talk about or have seen talk of New York hero Flacco, the Eurasian eagle owl, who had um, escaped from captivity at the Central Park Zoo after his um, enclosure was cut open and he flew out. Uh, he just passed a year of surviving in the wild and he became like a very like a, a star of the city. Love him. I just found out that um, he has passed away as of last night. So mm-hmm. rip to Flacco. Uh, truly, we did love you very much. And it's so sad. Uh, he was like he just was the spirit of New York. Yeah, I was so sad when I found out. I, I was really loving the the saga of Flacco. I guess according to like a press release that the park put out, it was he flew into a building, which happens to a lot of birds. Yeah, apparently um, we haven't heard his like hoots the past couple of nights. And people mm. thought it was because maybe he was moving to an area that he isn't usually in. And it was just too loud in that area. Um, but now after this, they are wondering if he maybe was sick so he's Mm. being taken to the bronx zoo and they're gonna do like some tests and see if there was an underlining issue but yeah poor the bronx zoo needs to erect a statue in his honor would it i mean you'd think it would go to the central park zoo because that's where he was oh yeah whichever yeah whichever his zoo was why is he going to the bronx zoo then i don't know i guess better medicine or well autopsies um but yeah Either way, there needs to be a st- a statue of Flacco. Yeah, it should actually replace the Statue of Liberty. They should just put one in the park, like near his yeah. like go to perch. Yeah, I'm very. Uh, sad. Did you read the like the press release that the 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 like whatever it was the zoo or like the parks department or something put out? The one I saw was literally my mom emailed me, Aww. and it was the New York Times, like see almost like an obituary. obituary. Yeah. There was in the release, there was like a fairly raw line where it was like Flacco's death is on the hands of the vandal who cut open his enclosure and we will continue investigating until he's brought to justice. We're going to go on a manhunt for him. (laughs) Yeah. So R.I.P. to Flacco. It was he had a good run, you know? Yeah. He got to taste freedom in a way that who how many of us can truly say that we have? Yeah. Okay, we should move on before yeah, moving we on. just get so sad about Flacco. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we had to start with that. Yeah. Where do you want to go from here? <laughs> There's nowhere good to go. How do we how do we get you out of this? Uh how about that Shadow of the Earth tree trailer? Yeah. I'm hyped. I'm gonna play the yeah, shit too. out of that DLC. I'm going to try. I'm very excited because it looks like it's doing a lot of fun stuff. Like you're going to yes. go into the DLC through the like cocoon that Mikola is in that you can go to in the game. It's going to be in what they're calling like the Shadowlands, which seems to be a sort of unclear if it's like a 
dreamlike world or if it's maybe the past or if it's both kind of thing but it'll mm-hmm. be a new place that's a little different and then there's a big snake looking boss guy called mesmer is that right mesmer the impaler yeah but it looks neat i i loved <laughs> elden ring and i'm so hyped yeah. for this i have so many thoughts and opinions on lore from this trailer yeah yeah so the, the shadow realm is apparently inside Mikola's egg if you've if you've fought moog in elden ring there is an egg in his chamber with a spindly little arm sticking out of it that is Michaela. Yeah, because he stole Michaela. I keep Michaela. Michaela. <laughs> Michaela. Michaela. Um, but get out of that egg, girl. Lore wise, uh Michaela was like sleeping in the Halig tree and Mog stole him away to the mm-hmm. yeah, where I know all this because, as I've said previously, Zoe would read me all the lore of the game as I played. So I know this about Mog and Mikola. (laughs) Very handy. Yeah, it looks great. I I wrote a piece about it that I had a lot of fun writing, (laughs) which is basically like I didn't finish Elden Ring. I got very distracted and it's very hard and I just couldn't do it. I also I haven't fought. Is it is it Mog? I thought it was Moog. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of the synthesizers, but I, I never fought Moog, so I will need to at least do that before I can play Shadow of the Erd Tree. But I do really want to play it. Um, traditionally, FromSoft DLC tends to be extremely good, um, often the best parts of those games, according to people who really love the games. I mean, Old Hunters for Bloodborne is like arguably maybe one of the best things FromSoft has ever made. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the Ringed City and Ashes of Ariandel from Dark Souls 3 are both very Sorry, good. Sorry, say that like, again? Uh, the Ringed City and Ashes of Ariandel. It's so weird hearing things pronounced. I just don't pronounce it that way. How do you pronounce it? I just pronounce it Arendelle. Arendelle? Very like Lord of the Rings inspired pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you have to go there and fight yeah. Sean Astin. Oh, God. Just like in Hitman. Oh, wait, no, that's Sean Bean. Sorry. What? Similar <laughs> Sean from Lord yeah. of the Rings. Another Lord of the Rings affiliated Sean. <laughs> the land of the Seans. Lord of the Seans, am I right? Lord of the... Okay. <laughs> Let's just start over. But it... Like, erase every episode that came before this one. Yeah. Um... But yeah, the, the expansion looks great. There are some very cool bits in there that I I particularly liked. It looks like there's going to be like a, probably an art of war that lets you do martial arts, or maybe it, it's just like a different kind of weapon-ish option. I don't know. More than likely, it's an it's an art of war though, or whatever the fuck that's called. That's but it, there's like a move you can do where you just jump into the air and kick people multiple times in the face, and it's the coolest shit I've ever seen, and I want to do it so bad. There's also, I know we are both um, Sekiro sickos, and so when I saw there is a part in the trailer where there is like, it seems to be a boss fight with this kind of person with two swords in this giant field of like blue and white flowers that reminded me so much of the, uh, the arena where you fight the final boss in Sekiro, which I think one of the cool things about Elden Ring is how it sort of brings up stuff from all of from soft other games without being like a corny metaverse thing or, or anything like that it's just like there are some very clear echoes of their earlier games in elden ring uh, and to see something that is at least feels like a little love for sekiro is very cool i mean FromSoft loves a boss fight in a field of like flowers mm-hmm. i mean M- melania melania which one is it yeah <laughs> melania melania <laughs> you know the one um her boss fight is in kind of like a field with some flowers um Mm -hmm. the the last fight in bloodborne is in like a field oh yeah also the the melania melania i can't i can never remember that boss fight is like effectively kind of just doing a lot of the same stuff as um the lady maria of the astral clock tower boss fight from old hunters uh which that's cool 
yeah, they, they, they do a lot of this kind of stuff. And I love seeing them take the same boss fight ideas and kind of expand on them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, their DLC is always like super refined and good and also extremely fucking hard. But I think it'll be cool as hell. And I want to know same. everything about who this Mesmer dude is. Uh, it's apparently I've heard Millennia's twin. From pe- like people who know about lore. OK, because he has he has red hair. So I was, immediately saw it and was like, OK, Millennia and Radagon. There's that whole, you know, yeah, that the, the red hair line thing. Like, but um, he's got the snakes, though, which is like, um, what's his yeah. name from the Rickert? from Rickard? Yeah, Rickard card or whatever which i saw people being like which makes me think he's related to him or just just him um in some manner either way looks very cool um what else was good in that trailer oh the the little there's two distinct varieties of uh weird little wormy guys they're the terrifying (laughs) giant ones that eat your head which look scary and then they're the adorable little tube guys with the arms that everyone is in love with on the internet. Very happy about that. Yeah, they got some freak character, like uh, monster designs in here going on that yeah. I love. There was, uh, yeah, also this week around the trailer, there were a couple of outlets got interviews with uh, Miyazaki, which is, uh, who's like the director of, you know, a lot of Soulsborne games, which is very rare. He he doesn't give a lot of interviews. Uh, I know like Inver- Inverse has tried to get interviews them before and I was always just like, no. But then Eurogamer and in uh and IGN both got interviews. And there was one of them where the interviewer asked about those little the little wormy guys, and he was just like, I can't tell you, but I can say they're very connected to what this place is so i don't want to give it away it was like Dude. of course they are yeah of course this is a Soulsborne game where like the key to everything is these weird little worms that like you need to find their lore on some obscure like rock you can pick up on a corner of the map did you see the question where it was like they asked him about swamps poison swamps yes this was so mm-hmm. great he was like i've just figured that I've just like realized I love poison swamps. So when you find the poison swamp in Shadow of the Earth Tree, maybe you'll learn to love it just as much as I do. <laughs> I was yeah. like, this is such sicko behavior. And I absolutely love this for him. His Yeah, I want to read the answer because it's so good. Uh, it, this is in the Eurogamer interview. Uh, of course, I had to ask Miyazaki if Shadow of the Earth Tree will once again include a poison swamp. In a word, yes, he said. But this was actually a point of introspection for me after creating the base game. It was only after creating it that I realized I really like to create poison swamps. And this was a little piece of introspection and reflection for me. So maybe when players reach the poison swamp in the DLC, they will feel a little bit of this retrospection. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, I hope my deep and abiding love for poison swamps comes across to you while you're suffering through the new one in this DLC. Truly, I think no one does great. it like Miyazaki. I know. Oh, it's uh, coming out June 21st also. Yeah, it's coming out June 21st. Two days oh, after my birthday. Cool... Yay, congrats. Happy <laughs> birthday. Uh, you can spend all week playing New Elden Ring. I will. <laughs> uh, there's also a quote in the IGN interview where uh, Miyazaki talks about the influence of Dark Souls 2, which I found really interesting. I'm a Dark Souls 2 defender. Uh-huh. I I understand the criticisms with it. And I think I think there's some valid criticisms with it. But for me, Dark Souls 2 is the game that I fell in love with first. Like I bounced off the original Dark Souls a couple of times. I just couldn't get into it. And then when Dark Souls 2 came out, I was like, maybe this one will hit the spot for me. And it fucking did. And I, I played it. I love that game so much. And I, ha- I still have such a strong emotional connection to it. Like, I think the themes of Dark Souls 2 and the way that the game expresses them are like some of the strongest in the series. So it was just cool to see. Uh, specifically, Miyazaki says, uh, in regards to Dark Souls 2, I actually personally think this was a really great project for us. And I think without it, we wouldn't have had a lot of the connections and a lot of the ideas that went forward and carried the rest of the series. And I don't know. I just think it's interesting that this is sort of a maligned entry in the series. But for Miyazaki, he's saying like it kind of refined the idea of what Souls-like games are and like what Dark Souls is about. And I think that's 
totally true. I also think it's interesting to have him say this because like uh, Dark Souls 2, Miyazaki did not direct. Uh, Dark Souls 2 had two like, kind of co-directors or Tomohiro Shibuya and Yui Tanamura, who also uh, at least one of them was also a director on on Elden Ring. But it, it's interesting to see him like giving such praise to a an entry that is maligned and often maligned for not having Miyazaki as directly involved with it. I think a lot of the times we talk about Dark Souls as kind of Miyazaki's series, which in many ways it is like he, he you know, very much kind of guided it. But it, I think in all cases, it is a good idea to remember how many fucking people it takes to make a video game and a director or creative director or anything like that is never solely responsible for things um so it's just cool to see miyazaki like pointing out the work of other people and like praising them and saying like they did a good job with it and basically there's a point in this interview where he says like i should have like backed off and given them more room like i think i messed up in that respect so it's just cool to see like that kind of acknowledgement of this being an absolute team effort yeah, I, I know another thing he talked about, like on the topic of earlier FromSoft games, is he talked about all the hype around or desire around a Bloodborne like remake. And he was mm-hmm. like, that makes me happy that you guys want it. <laughs> like, I, I, he was basically like, I love that you guys love it, which I mean, just is going to do the only thing it ever does, which is going to make people be like, why isn't it out? Yeah. Well, he says, like, we don't have the IP. Yeah, like, of course. I don't, I don't know what to tell it's, you. It's It'd be Sony cool, thing. but we can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it reminds me of, and I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit, uh, but it reminds me of the thing that came out of the Nintendo Direct that happened this week. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Basically, the news oh, that in Japan, yes. they announced that Mother 3 is coming to Switch Online, and uh-huh. everybody started freaking out. And then it was the director... And then also Reggie fils were both like, please stop talking to me about it. This is literally not my problem and not my job. And I can't I can't do this if I wanted to. And like, mm-hmm. which I just think is absolutely hilarious. But also, like, yeah. listen, people, if you want to play Mother 3, you can play Mother 3. There are ways to play Mother yeah. 3. The, well, yeah, the thing that was revealed is it's coming to Switch Online, but only in Japan. Yes. Which is, yeah, which is the context. Which right? is so wild. You just, you, just, you just said it's coming to Switch Online. I just want to no, I said in Japan. Did you? I think you Whatever. said Whatever. Play online. back the tape. You'll see it. In Japan, they announced that Mother 3 is coming to Switch Online. You're going right, to do will, a little... I'll you're leave gonna... this in even if I am wrong. <laughs> no, what you're going to do is you're going to edit out the part where I said, in Japan, they announced. No, I wouldn't. I, I don't do that, you. and that would like be more time than I'm willing to spend yeah. making you look bad. <laughs> um, I make myself look bad enough. Yeah, I don't. It's yeah, it would be redundant. But yeah, it's very yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny how much Nintendo is like, we're not going to give this to you. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, as as has been pointed out, like you can, you should, you should just emulate this game. If there's no way for you to play a game, you should emulate it. That's not a question. So I guess we should talk about the Nintendo Direct a little bit. We yeah, kinda, I might as well. Kind of there, anyway. There's some interesting stuff there. There was a lot of boring stuff and a and a couple things that were really cool to me. Yeah, I'll say like the the vibe seems to be largely just like ah, oh, there wasn't much there, but there were a couple cool things, which I think is, uh, you know, probably fair. But I'm curious. Yeah, there were only two things that really caught my eye. Okay, I think I had a little more, but we probably have the same ones yeah i mean the ones that caught my eye were a ranger mm-hmm. um which is this really cute little like 2d rpg puzzler where you're essentially like moving the 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 game looks like it's made up of kind of tiles and you're like moving tiles through the screen to like move your character around and stuff it looks really fun mm-hmm. um and then the other one which <laughs> I know it's just a case of Robin being like, I've been telling you because you literally talked to me about this like a couple weeks ago when we talked uh-huh. about Metroidvanias. But I saw the trailer for Enter Magnolia, Bloom in the Mist, and I was like, this looks kind of cool. Yes, and then it I, does look kind of cool, it, Willa. It only clicked with me that you had told me about this game's 
like the game that this is a sequel to a couple weeks ago when you were like, yeah, I love and like Ender Lilies. And I was like, oh, fuck, you've definitely told me about this game. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, that was the second game they showed. And I was like, fuck, yes. Like, I was so hyped. Yeah, I've talked about Ender Lilies before. It's a good game. You've if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talking about it. But cool Metroidvania with a you know, interesting combat system um, that uh, I actually was playing a little bit again this week after this announcement, I went back to play a bit more. But yeah, Ender Magnolia is like a sequel that's not like a direct sequel, but it kind of takes place in the same world. Seems to have very much the same concept of your attacks being these sort of spirits that you rescue. Your character isn't directly attacking, they're sort of summoning these things to help them kind of it honestly just looks like uh an upgrade of what's already of what ender lilies is like it seems the combat's probably a little smoother the it looks a little nicer it looks i mean it looks great like ender lilies i think is beautiful this looks even better than that yeah this comes out sometime this year it doesn't have a release date but i'm i i'm so excited i really hope people pick it up and love it and go back and play ender lilies too because as i was like i was writing a piece about uh, Ender Lilies this week and I looked it up and it it sold like a million copies or something since coming out a couple years ago so it's like by no means like uh, a forgotten game or anything like people have played it but uh, I it is the kind of game that like whenever I bring it up everyone is like well, I've never heard of this in my life so it would be cool to see more people get um, get in on it I do want to while we're talking about underappreciated Metroidvanias take a little tangent did you see the Momodora thing this yes, week? Yes, I did. I saw this from you. So we've talked about Momodora before. We both love Momodora. So Masahiro Sakurai, who was the creator of Super Smash Brothers and like a ton, you know other Nintendo stuff, has a YouTube channel where he. It's a great YouTube channel, I will say. Um, he he recently announced that he is ending the channel uh, sometime this year. I forget exactly one, but he announced it like maybe a month ago or something. He's got to be working on the next Smash Brothers. <laughs> he has, he's got to be. He's being very cryptic about it. He's work, He said he's working on something, but he like can't say what it is. But it's like... Buddy, we know. know that Switch 2 is coming. Sorry, the Switcheroo <laughs> is coming. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For now, the channel is still up. And he uh, posted a recent video. So yeah, the video, the lady, the video that in question here is called game essence in action games i would highly recommend by the way this is a tangent on a tangent but go watch these fucking videos most of them are like one to three minutes long and they're like brilliant dissections of game design and all kinds of aspects around making games but the point that i was getting to is that in this video uh one of the examples he uses as like an exceptionally well-designed action game is Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight, which is very exciting because we both love that game so much. And I saw Ardine, the the developer of, uh, the creator of, of Momodora, tweeting about it and just being like, holy shit, like Sakurai is talking about my game as, you know, as like an example of good design. Like that's really has to feel incredible. <laughs> but yeah, just just wanted to point that out. Uh, it's, it's, it's very cool to see someone as like, important as Sakurai pointing out a game that, um, again, you know, like in Italy's has a big audience, but is not kind of like spoken of in, in sort of mainstream circles as much. Yeah, it was very cool. So that was cool. But anyway, back to <laughs> the Nintendo Direct. One of the announcements at the Direct was Epic Mickey Refurbished, which is a remake of the first Epic Mickey game. And do you know who is so excited about this? I bet I can guess. Zoe. The, my own, my favorite Disney adult. I don't, it's so wild. She just like, she heard that they were making an Epic Mickey like remake and she has lost her mind. And literally every day since this announcement, she can't <laughs> stop talking to me about Epic Mickey and saying, <laughs> we should play Epic Mickey right now. And I'm like, we simply are not going to. Um <laughs> I don't know. It's been it's it's been very unexpected. Amazing. <laughs> so I just wanted to was share that, that unexpected. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere to me. I guess it shouldn't have been un unexpected, but like she just she's so on Epic Mickey now. She just can't stop thinking about it, which means I hear about it all the time. 
So happy for you. One I of mean, the f- happy for her and sorry yeah. for you. One of the funny things that I think was announced was the uh, the Shin Megami Tensei Five Complete Edition. Which did did you hear the whole thing about this? I know I skipped past that one. So it's care about it's essentially a definitive edition of the game, which come out came out in 2021. But there's really weird caveats to it, which is that you cannot, if you own Shin Megami Tensei Five carry over your save data however mm-hmm. you are allowed to pick three demons from your save file and transfer them to your new game mm-hmm. which is so buck wild that i kind of love it unironically <laughs> it's certainly a choice it's like saying if they like remade a pokemon game they're like listen you get three Pokemon and you could like <laughs> yeah. three like level 100 Pokemon that you can just start your party with. I think this is wildly deranged and kind of excellent. If it was Pick anybody other, if it was anybody other than Atlas doing it, I think I'd like it more, but I kind of hate Atlas for every DLC kind of thing for they do. Um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, I guess we should talk about the quote unquote big thing that happened at the direct. Yeah, I do want to quickly point out, um, I do also, Arranger looks very cool. I think that's other than Ender Magnolia, that's what I'm looking forward to. I said Arranger. Uh, Fantasy Life, huh? I said Arranger. That was the first one I said. I know, I just didn't, I just didn't mention it. I just didn't say anything about it. I'm just saying, I I also, I agree, it's a good. Well, you should have said that when I brought it up. I'm agreeing with you. I was busy sidetracking us into talking about Momodora. Clearly. (laughs) You know, I can't stop myself from doing that. The other thing that I was excited for is Fantasy Life I finally has a release date. It was delayed out of last year. It's not coming until October 10th, which is kind of a bummer, but Fantasy Life I is a sort of Animal Crossing Stardew-ish thing where you can kind of take on these different jobs that give you skills. It's like a it's a half life sim and half kind of combat-focused RPG, which is cute. Uh, I played the first one a million years ago and really liked it, so I'm excited for this one. Probably just something to keep on your radar if that sounds like your thing. And then, yeah, the next, like, the the other remaining thing was the big thing. Which is, as we literally knew and was no surprise, Xbox games showed up. Uh, it was the first thing yes. that showed up was Grounded. For uh-huh. the people, tens of them, I assume, who care about Grounded. <laughs> You know, Grounded is a good one of those games. I, I think it's I think it's good. It's okay. not a kind of game that I like, but it's I think it's a good one. Yeah. More importantly, though, Pentiment. Yes, far more importantly. Pentiment, which is now on Switch. They literally were like, hey, by the way, Pentiment is coming out tomorrow on Switch. And then obviously they were like, also PlayStation. Um, yeah. Which, good. Everybody go play Pentiment. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, maybe I will take that advice. Do you have anything to say about the direct? Because like I have things that go off of this. Well, when you said the big thing, I thought you were talking. I care so little about the Xbox games coming to other platforms that I didn't think you were talking about that. Are you going to talk about this? I like, thought you were scuba talking about game? Endless Ocean, uh, okay. which is what I saw everyone talking about after the direct. <laughs> I don't have any personal relationship to this game, but people seem extremely hyped about Endless Ocean. It's um. A game where you play as a diver and you explore the ocean. Apparently, it's and like the far third game in the series. Mm-hmm. Because it was a Wii game. I don't know anything about it, but as, as far as I can tell, it's just about diving. It, it seems cool. I don't know. I said it looks like Abzu with friends. Yes. I mean, Abzu, yeah, it seems more like way more straightforward than Abzu, where like yeah. Abzu was this kind of surreal thing. Abzu's a great game, by the way. Play Abzu. This looks more like grounded, I guess. But yeah, you can just like swim around with your <laughs> friends. Not that no, not grounded, like grounded, not the, the game. game. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would play this. I would. I think we should go diving together and look at crabs. And let's I think go this scuba looks like a good time. Let's go scuba diving together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It looks neat. I did want to go off of the Xbox stuff because then, sure, the weirdest thing happened after this, which is that basically immediately after this. They dropped that Sea of Thieves is coming to other consoles. Not part mm-hmm. of this, though. Not part of the Direct. And then mm-hmm. in another separate announcement, 
they announced that Hi-Fi Rush is coming to PlayStation. And yeah. all of these happened in different ways on the same day with such little fanfare. The thing that kept pissing me off is that Phil Spencer was like, we're going to let these games announce in their own time. And then they all happen on the same day with such little fanfare. And also the announcements about like Sea of Thieves and Hi-Fi Rush like came from Xbox. And we were all Mm -hmm. like, dude, this was so stupid. This has been the stupidest month of bullshit, like lead up to an announcement that we all kind of knew already. What a mess. Like, why did they do any of this? Yeah, it feels weird. Like, it, yeah, specifically because Phil Spencer was like, let's let them announce it. And then it's like, no, let's let this news get buried. Yeah, also on the same day that the Shadow of the Earth Tree trailer drops. Yeah, it's very, very strange. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Wild. I don't know. I guess the uh, the other thing out of the direct that we can talk about briefly, um, just to get your thoughts on it, is they announced there was a Unicorn Mm -hmm. Overlord demo. All right, yeah. Which um, I have spent time in. I don't know if you've spent time in it yet. Yeah, I played a little bit of it this morning. Um, I've only I played like an hour. Um, it's I guess you, it's a uh, five hours you get to play. Yeah. Intro, so right? like for context, for those of you who like listened to our last episode where we talked about our preview of the game, um, it's mm-hmm. very similar. It starts you the demo starts you at the opening of the game. And But what it does is it gives you a five-hour timer. And it's like, spend five hours in here, do what you want. With the caveat that I discovered. (laughs) And you know what? You can't, we can't prove that they didn't do this because of me. I just want to point this out. So we have to assume they did. There's no evidence that this wasn't done because of my direct actions during the preview. Mm -hmm. There is a fight in this demo. It's the end of the quest that is, like, the main thing you're doing called the Princess Abducted. And if you beat that fight, which that is the fight that I took on in our preview that then broke the demo. If you take on that fight in the demo, like I did, and you beat it, it gives you some cutscenes that I hadn't seen in the preview. But then it just immediately ends as, like, your demo is over. You cannot progress past the story point. So you either go back and explore the world or you wait for the fucking game. And I think this is to punish me specifically. Yeah. Because I was just yeah. too good. They call it willigating in the industry. Yeah. That's where you, you don't let gamers who are too good <laughs> at gaming get past a certain point. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this demo is essentially the preview. It's the same thing we played for the preview. So uh, if if anything we said sounded interesting, definitely play it. I feel like a god playing this demo now, though. Because, like, yeah, I completely understand all the workings of the mechanics better now. So I just, like, yeah. bulldoze every fight because I'm like, listen, I know what works. Yeah, being able to just, like, blitz through all the tutorials and just crush is is so cool. Yeah, I don't know. I was curious to get your take on do you feel any differently about the game after playing this demo than you did after playing the preview? More excited. Uh, I still don't give a shit about the story, but the um, combat itself is so good. And I've actually been able to, like, take my time more and spend more time really investing in, like, upgrades to my units and stuff Mm -hmm. and going out and, like, hiring mercenaries to, like, bolster my ranks. And it's been so fun. Like, I have very quickly figured out basically that flying units are the most overpowered thing in the world especially early on in the game what i did is i i made it so that one of my units could have three people and then i immediately hired a griffin knight so i put the griffin knight as the leader so i could fly around the unit and then i just put joseph in that unit (laughs) because joseph (laughs) starts as level 20 because he's like so overpowered and then you start a fight And then I just garrison one unit at the command post. And then I send out the unit with the Griffin Knight and Joseph. And I just fly over all the enemies directly to the boss (laughs) of any stage. And then I just bulldoze through that boss. And then the fight, and then the stage is over. (laughs) Yeah, Joseph paired with a Griffin Knight is basically a fighter jet that you brought to a sword fight. (laughs) It's so amazing. (laughs) 
the that fight that the end fight that took me like 45 minutes in our preview it took me like 15 <laughs> <laughs> wow pro strat yeah it was really fun um i'm still super excited about it yeah same i there is always a sort of playing even if it's the same demo like playing a preview feels very different from playing a game on your own because for one thing there's like people looking over your shoulder the whole time and just makes you feel nervous about how you're doing but also you know you're writing a preview you're looking for an angle you're trying to like figure out how to describe things so you're kind of in your head more than i think you tend to be just playing a normal game so getting to go back and like just enjoy this has really just kind of driven home how good this game feels to play I'm basically trying to use the time that I have with it to see all the little side content that I didn't get to in the demo, uh, like the angel lady who you talked about, who I need to find. But yeah, I'm I'm loving it still. It's it's very good. I'm excited to play it for real when it comes out. Yeah. I mean, on to, I think, probably the biggest thing, which we can yeah. talk about a little bit, is uh, yeah. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which... When the when this episode comes out, will not be out because the game comes out on the 29th, but mm-hmm. reviews are out, which means that mm-hmm. we can also say that we have played the game yeah, and finished the game. I don't think we're going to talk about it in, in like any complete ways. We're going to save that yes. for after the game comes out to, you know, make it so that we can talk freely without being worried about embargo stuff and also to let people play on their own and decide if they want to listen. But should we talk about kind of general impressions or the vibe from reviews? Yeah, I think we should do both of those. Uh, yeah, just just to say there is still some embargoed stuff, so we're going to probably not get into too much spoilers here. I will put a note in the show notes if there's anything that I think people will want to not here in specific but yeah next week we do plan to talk about it in more detail and if schedules work out we will also have a special guest here to talk about it but it regardless i think yeah this week is probably more general impressions and next week is probably when we get into stuff that you might want to be cautious about if you haven't played it yet where do we start i mean do you want to start with the reviews and then kind of spin off our how we've yeah, how that yeah, compares yeah. To our own thoughts let's do that to get like a vibe of the general impression people have of this game um it's good uh people like like it a lot i mean as we have talked about many times don't put any trust in metacritic or anything like that but like metacritic is high it's like in the 90s i think if that's still true most scores that i've seen are nines 8.5s and higher pretty glowing with the exception of the like main piece of criticism that the game has gotten, which is pacing, which I mean, we can attest to for sure. We talked about this so much while we were playing. Yeah. I, I mean, like, yeah, not to jump into our impressions, but I think this is one of the worst paced games I've ever played. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's wild what they do. Um, but honestly, in most of the reviews I've read, That's kind of the singular piece of criticism that really comes out. Mm -hmm. Besides that, everybody's like, combat is good. You know, the story is good. They're doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, The world is gorgeous as ever. Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I mean, if you're hoping it's good, then you'll probably be excited. Yeah, it does. It's a it's it's a crowd pleaser for sure. I'm finding it hard to talk about because I just want to be like, I think we'll get into it in depth as to why we feel this way, but this game is really hard to pin down, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pacing is like the easiest thing to pin down as a problem. And while I and I, from our conversations, you feel there's a lot of other like low parts of this game or things that don't work very well. They're all way more, like, they're so much harder to kind of put into words in a way that it becomes hard to, like, write out in criticism why you don't like it. So it kind of becomes, well, the rest of it is fun. I'm having fun, I'm pretty sure. I mean, this is uh, the thing that happened to me constantly is I would go from, 
I am having a lot of fun and I'm really invested in these stories and these characters to immediately after moments like that being like, I am so fucking exhausted by this game and it's horrible pacing. So it's so conflicting. I've never played a game that I think is like so wildly goes between highs and lows within itself. Yes. I think I probably spent more time in the depths while I was playing this game. There were huge chunks of this game that I was just like so just begging for it to be over. There are definitely some highs like that we will we'll, we can talk about more next week because they all of the highs of this game are related to the story uh, and particularly the the way that they navigate this this remake trilogy as not a remake actually but a sequel and the way that they reference the the original game and subvert it and the ways that they don't subvert it uh that stuff is what's interesting but obviously it's stuff we don't want to talk about i do want to say of the reviews that i read i think the the one that did the most of that sort of like deeper digging was unsurprisingly from yusuf cole uh, he wrote the review for New York Times, and uh, I just hi- just go read this review. But just as kind of a highlight, it basically points out the the tension that there is between the very like serious, kind of thoughtful narrative of the game and everything else, all of the like distractions and the the spectacle of it. Where it's like every time there's an interesting story point, it is on either side of it there is four hours of open world stuff and mini games and silliness and cutscenes. so for me that meant that a lot of even the really good narrative beats kind of got drowned out and didn't really have time to land or sink into me because as soon as they were done i was like racing chocobos or whatever uh, and i think this review does a good job of digging into that stuff i also think for like context to how we played and like that being a little indicative of the pacing and stuff is that as someone who really doesn't love most open worlds and open world bloat which i feel this game has a lot of i mainlined the story Mm -hmm. almost exclusively doing main content i played some queen's blood which is the card game And that is great. And that was one of the only side activities I did. And then I did literally one side quest. (laughs) One and a half, because I started one that I didn't finish because it pissed me off. And then I completed one. That's the extent of the side content I did. This game took me 35 hours to beat. (laughs) I felt like I did almost no side content, and it took me 45 hours. Yeah. So I clearly did some of it. I, I... would be hard pressed to tell you where I spent that extra <laughs> 10 hours, but apparently I, I did somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that's largely my impression of the game is that there are these kind of standout moments, but it is, they are, they are buried um, amongst a lot of open world cruft and a lot of people like a lot of the open world stuff. I know Inverse's review by Hayes, like kind of praises the side content and open world stuff as being very good. And I think I think the distinction that I want to draw here is that it might be a good open world and these side activities might be good in like a vacuum, but for me they don't seem to fit in this game. Yeah. Um and that's because what I was going for was basically just the narrative that's kind of all I care about. And so regardless of the the quality of that side stuff, the f- I didn't it, it it did nothing for me. It actually detracted from the experience that I wanted. And I think that's kind of maybe what defines the difference between our opinions of this game, which are, are quite a deal, a good deal more negative than the reviews and the reviewers is that like just what we were looking for in it and what I, I don't think... know. I don't know that the game I don't think the game does a good job of of keeping that balance. No, like I think if you're looking at individual aspects of it, which is something that when you're writing a review, you want to kind of give weight to every little like aspect of a game sometimes. And I think looking at it from that angle, it's easy to see why it got so much praise. But just as the experience of someone who wasn't writing a review and was just looking at it as 
my own experience. Uh, it just so much of it didn't add up to anything. Yeah, I think even I think f- way more actually than remake. This is a game that really, really <laughs> requires the player to know these characters and the world. Not because I think it's necessarily important to know everything that happens to them in previous iterations of the story, but more because I think this game's long, drawn-out pacing really tests the player. And I find that I think you are only able to really get through it if you already love them and you have an investment. Like, the thing that kept me going is because I was like, I need to know what happens to these characters I've loved for a very long time. So I'm going to deal with it. But if you're not as invested in this world or characters, you're going to have a hard time, I think. Yeah. I think every single time we said something to each other that we liked in this game, it was a character moment. It was, Aerith said this thing. It was this, this part of the game told me something cool about Yuffie. It was... It was always connected to the characters. It was it was never like, oh, that boss was so good or that, you know, that whatever that section was so exciting. I think that, you know, this is one of the things I really, really love in Hayes's um, review on Inverse, which is he points out that the strongest thing or like one of the strongest things this game does is character work. The character work yes. in this game is phenomenal and it is on such a like high level they're doing so much um with with every character and i just want to like quote one of the things that i really think hayes talks about really well which is he writes quote final fantasy 7 rebirth even made me realize a shortcoming of the original game that i'd never um thought about before party members had a relationship with cloud but not with each other that's not mm-hmm. true here as the real emphasis of rebirth's narrative is on the bonds between everyone Big moments like Barrett's relationship with Dine have more emotional heft than ever before, but the little moments are equally important. Things like Barrett pretending to have the air knocked out of him when Yuffie fake punches him, or how Cloud asks Tifa and Aerith for a high five after a victory. And like mm-hmm. I, the second he wrote about the the Barrett and Yuffie thing, I was like, "That's the exact oh moment." Oh my god, for that's the moment that I think yeah. about too. I think Yuffie being in the main cast in this game. It's so is good. so good. She really fleshes yeah. out so many different like sides of the rest of the party. She's also totally. the best combat yeah, in the game. She is such a foil for so many of of their, especially Barrett, who like is more serious, and yeah. Cloud. Um, it's just it's so good. I do, and also like right after that part in in Hayes's review, he also ties it into the way that that comes across mechanically, where I think this game's focus on character. And the fact that it adds these synergy abilities like is not a coincidence. It's very clear that they were using the the synergy mechanic to like make you think more about their relationships between characters. And I think that's a really smart observation he makes. I also want to point out just one more review in specific, which is uh, on NPR. Uh, the writer is named Andy Bickerton. And I feel like this is probably the review that comes closest to like matching my own opinions about it which is essentially like there are some really like beautiful moments in this game, but it is so outweighed by the kind of like open world and the side stuff that it it basically the, the premise of the review is I wish I hadn't spent so much time on the open world because I think I would enjoy this game more if I had stuck to the story. And I think if you want to do open world stuff, this game lets you do it at the end. I think I would I would advise the same. I would advise play through the story. And then if you want more, like go back and play the side content. But I think I was very frustrated with this game by the end, by just how drawn out and bloated it is. And I think if I had spent any amount of energy on side stuff, I would have been pretty miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm... What else I I want to say without getting into details? Yeah, without getting into details, it's hard. I except yeah, I mean, I guess just to echo again, like Yuffie is so good. Yuffie is such a good, such a good. Like I can't overstate how much her character adds to the party's dynamic. 
If you haven't played Intergrade, I do highly recommend it. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and also, like, Tifa and Aerith have such a good relationship in this game, too. Where, like, there could be a sense in the original, because there was such little interaction with characters who weren't Cloud, that they were sort of... There's kind of a male gazy way to look at it uh, as them as like clouds, like competing, like competing for cloud or something, because you do literally as cloud choose between them. This game makes it so clear that they are best friends and they love each other so much. It is by far my favorite part of this game yeah. is T Tifa and Aerith's relationship. Absolutely. It made I had such a smile on my face every time they interacted. Like it's it's, it's really gorgeous. They give both. Aerith and Tifa so much to do in this like and just yeah. they really show so many sides of them it's so wonderful and like for me I think Tifa really shines in this game and mm -hmm. I think oftentimes Tifa is a character who's a little bit overlooked slash misunderstood um, and they really just they give her so much time in this, like, and you really understand where she's coming from and, like, everything that's going on in her head. It's so masterful. Yes. Yeah, I remember not really liking Tifa when I was a kid, which was partially just I had too big of a crush on Aerith to care about anybody else. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't like her because she wasn't, like, a, you know, they just didn't develop her character very well. But then looking back even at the original game and just thinking about it as an adult, like, how important Tifa is and like how how good of a character she is. And then to see remake and then especially rebirth give her her due is just that part's really cool. I will say we'll get into this next week. I think toward the end of the game, both of those characters, some some choices are made that I don't love. But um, for the majority of the game, they are absolutely the thing that kept me playing was like just to see the little moments mm -hmm. and yeah another thing that i did notice actually uh thinking about that line about yuffie fake punching air fake punching Barrett, and like him pretending to get the wind locked out of her the animations in this game are unbelievable both in cutscenes and just in the game there's so much stuff like when you sit down at a bench to like fret to like restore your hp every character has a different animation for that and it's all like very indicative of who they are. There's just so many little things in cutscenes, like the way that people walk even is just so indicative of their characters. Like I could not get enough of just seeing these tiny little details in the animations that were like unbelievable. And again, the voice acting again, like just like it was in remake is, is the same. Like there are so many moments of, of, character building that comes entirely from like the tone of the actor's voice like that stuff is all so good yeah i i was saying this to you too because we were talking about it i think this is like maybe the most perfectly cast game ever it's yeah i mean yeah i mean i i feel like that's probably the end of our conversation on this game until later unless you have something yeah. else to talk about um how do you feel about queen's blood I love Queen's Blood. It's great. It's Same. it's basically the true successor to the best card game in a Final Fantasy series. Yeah, it's Tetra Triple Master Triple Triad. <laughs> Quadruple yeah. Triad. At least we can finally both agree that Queen's Blood is great. <laughs> yes, we can put our feud aside. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Queen's Blood rules. If you like card games, you'll get into it. It's really fun. Uh, yeah, we'll probably save the rest for next time. Yes, uh, so please stay tuned for more in-depth conversation later. But until then, uh, what else have you been up to in the past week? I mean, I finished Rebirth this week, so that, that was still taking a lot of my time. Um, right after, uh, and I did already mention Ender Lily, so I won't get into that again, but right after I finished Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I texted you while I was playing and I was like, the thing this game makes me feel the most is that I want to be playing another Final Fantasy game. And since I had just come out of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I was like, what Final Fantasy games have I not like really played? You know, which ones do I feel like I might have overlooked too much when they first came out? And maybe I've 
you know, maybe it's time to go back and see if there's anything to them. I'm so excited. And so I've spent some time this week playing Final Fantasy 16. Oh, fuck you. You got me so excited. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so pissed. I thought you were going to say you were playing Final Fantasy VIII or like Final Fantasy Thirteen. Oh. Yeah, I thought you were going to think I was going to say Final Fantasy Thirteen. Wow. Um, Whatever. Well, the Who thing cares? is, okay, so I have heretical opinions about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth's combat. And so that's what made me want to play sixteen, just to be like, okay, uh, the combat, like if I get a little deeper into it, you know, is the combat gonna gonna be worth it? So I played like a couple hours of it. I'm at the point where I am skipping every cutscene. I started, I tried watching them, and it was just like, no, this is as bad as I thought it was. But I think the combat's really fun. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't have like sophisticated thoughts about it because that's kind of all there is to it. Like it's like the combat is fun to play. I think I will say with Final Fantasy Rebirth and Remake, the thing that drove me crazy about the combat system is that dodging and blocking feel terrible. There is like something weird about the combat where there is just, it feels like the every button press feels more like queuing up an animation than doing the action you want it to do. So with your swing of the sword, there's long animations with each press that kind of feels like it has a wind up. And with dodging and blocking, there are so many times where it just would be completely ineffective because the time that it took from the button press to that thing actually happening meant that the dodge, like the enemy would kind of like follow your movement as you dodged or I would try to block and it would just get through anyway. And I found that extremely frustrating. And so I do like the, you know, kind of like command input side of it, but I think the the action side of it is just... I cannot stand it. So I wanted to play this other one that is more more action focused. And yeah, I think it works. Like, I think the combat works. And I think that's like what a lot of the game was going for. I also want to go back and play more Final Fantasy Origins uh, because that combat rips. It's so good. But yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. I know we talked about we had an old episode talking about what is Final Fantasy. It still doesn't feel like Final Fantasy to me. There is there is sort of an expansiveness to Final Fantasy games that just isn't here. The reliance on Game of Thrones style grittiness, I think, doesn't work in its favor at all. I don't like that there's been like three references to sexual assault in the first five hours of this game. It fucking sucks. Story's bad. They did they did bad. <laughs> um but the combat's been fun. I probably won't play too much more of it, but I've been enjoying it. What you should do is you should just go play Devil May Cry 5. That's a good point. I mean, it's just just take the battle the the battle designer and go play that game because that's the game yeah. he made. That's better combat. Yeah, but it doesn't have chocobos, so <laughs> okay, and doesn't have chocobo milk, especially. I can tell you that for sure. Or chocobo ice cream. <laughs> they sell this. We can talk about they in yeah, the opening is, of the game. They did not put an embargo in, on the chocobo. In the milk. opening of the game. There is a section in Calm when you're walking around and there's just somebody there selling chocobo milk and I or chocobo ice cream. And I have so many things that I want to say about this. One, I want to eat it. I want to eat the chocobo ice cream, please. Two, this, do this doesn't make sense anatomically. Chocobos are supposed to be birds. They're big fucking birds. Birds do not produce milk. You don't milk a bird. They are not mammals. They don't have nipples. So does that mean chocobos are milkable birds in this universe or are we saying that they are part mammal yeah. i think canonically chocobos have nipples i just don't you can milk. this i don't like this and it does not <laughs> these questions linger in my head and that's not good for my sleep because it means there will be none because i think about the chocobos and their nipples <laughs> or lack thereof tbd we don't know <laughs> Do you think Willerow kept awake at night thinking of chocobo nipples? What's the chances that Square PR answers an inquiry about chocobo chocobo anatomy? I think we have to find a way to sneak it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You you um, really got yeah, me. That's what I, I've been You really got me. I thought you huh? were going to say you were playing Final Fantasy 8 or something. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so mad. I don't know if I'm going to play Final Fantasy VIII. You, whatever. Fine. At least we should do 13. I have tried. I don't know. Maybe I will. At least we should do 13. Yeah, I should at least do 13. But I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you just want to mash some buttons, it's good. It's cool. It's also, I will say, I know we made fun of it a lot. We make fun of a lot the idea that the way for a video game to look good is to strive toward quote-unquote photorealism, which is exactly what this game is doing. It it does do a good job of it. There are some portions where I have come across, like you're walking around the field and you can kind of see these like sort of these, yeah, these very picturesque, like beautiful natural landscapes of like rushing rivers and forests and stuff. Uh, and that's like on that level, it does do a good job of those, those things. So I don't know. I think it, it, the things it's good at are not things I tend to value in games, but I do want to acknowledge that they are done well. So it's whatever. That's how I've been spending my time this week uh, until I find a better way to spend my time, which I desperately need. Uh, but how about you? Um, yeah, this isn't gonna be my like thing that I talk about completely but i want to mention this because it's related to rebirth and final fantasy 7 talk in general um i watched advent children (laughs) Mm. you should absolutely watch advent children ahead of rebirth or after rebirth if you've never seen it it's not good but you absolutely should watch it (laughs) i wrote a whole piece about it if you want to read it you Uh can but like i i will make the argument and i did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that it is the most important piece of Final Fantasy VII related media to understanding why we are in the place we are now with the remake trilogy. Mm-hmm. But what I actually want to talk about, which is fun, is two things that are very related. Me and Zoe and our friends who we like to watch movies with, we have been watching a lot of Michael Mann movies, as I have like mentioned before, because we watched Collateral and Heat The most recent one we watched is Manhunter, which Mm -hmm. is an adaptation of the Thomas Harris book, Red Dragon, which for those of you who are not aware, is the book that comes before Silence of the Lambs. It's the first book that has Hannibal. And so we watched this movie, Manhunter. It was really good. We liked it a lot. And then the whole time I was watching it, the only thing I could think about was also God, I want to rewatch Hannibal, um, the the TV show starring Mads Mikkelsen. I love that show so much, and I haven't rewatched it in a while. And watching Manhunter, I was like, I need to rewatch Hannibal. And then literally the next morning while I was up making coffee, and Zoe was like still in bed being lazy to like get up. Um, It's fine. Usually I'm the lazy one. She usually gets up way before me. But I was making coffee (laughs) and I was like, you know what? I need something to watch while I'm like getting breakfast ready and stuff. So I'm going to put on the first episode of Hannibal. Well, now I have gotten Zoe in on it, too. And we just finished the first season of Hannibal (laughs) today. What a way to start your morning. It was great. It's so good. I love this show. It holds up. Mads Mikkelsen and... uh, is it Hugh Dancy? Is that his name? There's so many Hughes. Yeah, Hugh Dancy. <laughs> Too many Hughes. There are. Yeah, it's Hugh Dancy as Will Graham and Mads Mikkelsen as Hannibal Lecter. It's awesome. If you are interested in like this kind of show and you have a strong stomach because it is very graphic, like graphically violent, you should watch it. It's awesome. I'm so hyped to get into season two. It's been great. Uh, so that's my suggestion. Nice. Uh, I'm too weak to watch this show. Yeah. But it sounds very good. You wouldn't like it because it's a lot of graphic violence of murder, but also it's a lot of like cooking meat. Uh, yeah. Which is supposed to be human meat also. Yeah. Because, you know, he's a cannibal. I, yeah. Either way, I don't want to watch cooking Not meat to that sound much. weird. Uh, um, the food looks so good in this show, though. <laughs> I, you know what? Um, you sound a little weird. No, it's like one of those things <laughs> where it's like, lie. I know it's a TV show, so I know it's not human meat. So I know it's just uh-huh. good food. And I look at it, I'm like, God, that is a cool meal. Um. <laughs> wow, that would go great with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Listen, I love a nice Chianti. <laughs> oh, anyways, I think that'll... So bougie. <laughs> Chianti's not bougie. 
Okay. <laughs> Listen, I know how this makes me sound. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I think knowing that it's not bougie makes you even more Fine, bougie. Fine, whatever. That will be it for us this week. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on mm-hmm. socials, some version of Girl Mode Pod. We'll link it in the show notes. You can email us questions. Um, what is it? Send us games we should play or guests you want to, us to have on the show. Mm-hmm. And you can send those to girlmodepod at gmail.com or on our co-host. You can find me on socials at the Willow Row. You can find me at Robin Bombos. And you can also, you can email us with what flavor of chocobo ice cream you would most like to eat. Yeah. And if you think chocobo ice cream tastes a little bit like chocobo in the way that like coconut milk ice cream always kind of tastes like coconut. I Do you know what I bet would be great? What? To chow bean chocobo ice cream. I don't know what the chow beans taste like. I assume it's like coffee. It looks like a coffee bean. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just like coffee cho- ice chomping cream. Chomping on coffee beans. Oh, yeah, that would be good, yeah. yeah. See, I, I'm i always thinking coffee about Coffee with a hint of foul. Oh, my yeah, God. That'd be great. Um, I, I always, I've remembered that I should be doing this. Review the show, uh, rate the show on mm. whatever, like, podcast player you listen to, and share us with a friend. Um, yeah, I don't have a fun... I literally don't know how to review our show, but I suggest that you do it. I, You guys can figure it out. I assume you're smart yeah, enough. Yeah, you're smart. Yes. Anything else? No. Okay. This show is in memory of Flacco. Uh, we love you. Yeah. We miss yeah. you. Anyways. Yeah. He was a real one. Bye. Bye. Are you good? Any other meows you need to do or anything? Are we ready to start? Meow. I'll take a sip of water. Wet my whistle. <laughs> don't, don't do that again. Uh. I was listening back to whatever. I think that, that was one of the X-Men episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was listening back to it the other night because those are really funny. And I was just like so sick of my shit. In that tag when I just couldn't stop laughing. I was yeah. like, God, girl, get it together. <laughs> God, Robin, you're so annoying. I know. I say this to myself every day in the mirror. I know. Um, all right. Let's do this. <clears throat>